electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Carl Quintanilla. You're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Ford and Julia Borston. Today, the major averages are going to try to make it three in a row on this uh, holiday-shortened trading week. S&P's less than half a percent from a record high. But the Nasdaq still trailing the broader market since peaking on November 22nd. Plus Tencent giving away its stake in JD.com. Shares going in opposite directions this morning. And then you can smell what The Rock is cooking. How about what he's brewing? Dwayne Johnson will join us to talk about tequila, Red Notice, and the streaming landscape. Let's start with tech stocks. The S&P back within 1% of all-time highs in a volatile month. Tech is the best-performing sector this week. But within sectors, what's driving the snapback? Well, take a look at this chart, the S&P 500 in the middle, the white line inching higher. And then you can see the wide dispersion within tech sectors, Apple and semiconductors surging higher, and cloud, software, and fintech still struggling. Those blue and green lines at the bottom of the chart off their lows, but still underperforming by 15, 20 Thirty percent over the last three months, Carl. Um, you know, quite a lot of uh, action there to set up 22. Yep. And again, um, you know, it's been what a week it's been for uh, just semiconductor news, Julia. Um, you know, we've got all these short term uh, concerns on capacity, but we continue to get more and more information about long term capacity additions like uh, like, for example, from Intel in a variety of countries all over the world. Uh, but it's unlikely to have uh, the kind of impact near term that we need on, on supply chain. Yeah, certainly. But if you just look more broadly at the performance of the tech stocks this year versus 2020, it really looks so different. I mean, now this year, obviously, we're having a lot of divergence within the tech sector. But if you look back at 2020, FANG plus Tesla really drove a huge percent of the market's growth. This year, it's a lot more dispersed, John. Yeah, this... <laughs> This sets up a big question I've got. Joining us now with his top tech picks heading into the new year, Satori Funds, Dan Niles. Dan, always great to get your insights. So you don't have big expectations for uh, the indices overall, particularly the S&P, in 2022. So where do you go if you're an investor? If the S&P 500 overall isn't going to be higher, it's weighted toward these big techs. If bonds aren't going to do well, What's your answer? Well, I think people underestimate the value of cash. And 99% of the time, it's not what you want to be in. But I think if you look back at history and you say, well, the Fed looks like it's going to be a lot more aggressive than normal. Um, You brought up the sectors that are actually bouncing and the ones that aren't. And the ones that aren't are the ones with high valuations, very little earnings. And I think if you look at next year, that's really what's going to struggle. So we have a basket of shorts sort of in that space. We think the S&P is down next year. We think uh, bonds sell off as well. And I think you're going to get a much better opportunity to buy a lot of the names you like a lot lower um, in the first part of next year when the Fed finishes their tapering 
and starts hiking rates a lot more aggressively than people think. So quite honestly, right now we like cash a lot. Um, but you know, beyond that, if you feel like you need to own stocks, I think growth at a reasonable price type names like Google, like Facebook, um, that actually benefit a little bit from an economic reopening. Um, if you feel like you have to own stocks, those are the ones we'd be in. And we're short the ones that don't have any earnings and, you know, will be profitable 10 years from now. And that's huh. kind of how we're trying to deal with the portfolio where we think downside risk is large. Dan, though, cash, such a dirty word in a historic <laughs> inflationary environment. Is it really time to invoke the Kenny Rogers rule, right? Uh, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, when to walk away, when to run. Your expectation is closer to mid-year bargains will start to appear. What about even among some of these growth names that have suffered so much at the end of this year? Well, I, I think, you know, you're right. Cash in an inflationary environment is definitely a dirty word. But, you know, back to your Kenny Rogers analogy, right? You had a pandem- global pandemic start last year. You made 16% in the stock market. You had that continue this year. You're up another 26% in the stock market. The average compounded return for the S&P since inception is 6%. So you either think a global pandemic is really great for the world, three times better than normal, or it's the Fed and every other central bank on the planet, plus all the fiscal stimulus, the $5.5 trillion you've gotten in the U.S. over five packages or so, that's driving this and driving multiples to all-time record highs. And so I think back to Kenny Rogers, you got to fold them right now, though you don't want to, and say, you know what, these high multiple stocks, I mean, we're short, for example, you know, and this changes every day given how volatile they are, but the EV makers that have just come public, we have one that's trading at 20 time, 28 times revenues. You could buy Tesla at 14 times revenues, or you could own GM like we do at 0.6 times revenues. And so I think you need to be very careful of owning something trading at 28 times sales that's going to be profitable five to 10 years from now, where you've got a lot of work to do to get that production. And you can say that about a lot of high growth tech stocks going forward. So, Dan, let's talk about some other stocks that you'd pick right now for those investors who do want to be long stocks. Other than GM, what are some names you'd mention? Well, um, you know, as I brought up before, if you look at Google, Google actually benefits as economies reopen. So 10 to 15 percent of their revenues is in travel. It's in leisure, you know, airlines, hotels, all that stuff where, you know, we canceled our you know, vacation plans for, for the holidays with the Omicron variant. I'm sure other people have done that as well. You can see it in some of the data coming out. Um, but Google will benefit as things reopen next year. We like Facebook a lot. You know, you hear the new buzzword seems to be the metaverse. Well, you know, Facebook, you can buy it at a market multiple at about 21 times earnings. And your profit forecast for next year is just 3%. I'd be stunned if it was just 3%. And, you know, the reason it's so low is they plan on investing a lot of money in the metaverse. So, you know, if that really starts to take off next year, you can buy this company at a market multiple where I think there's a lot of upside and they've got monetization opportunities and other sectors as well. Um, I think value stocks in general, I mean, you brought up the beat up sectors. We'd look at more of the value beat up sectors, I guess, is is the way I would look at it. And, you know, things that, you know, back to John, what John said, you know, dirty words, you know, look at things in media, Um, look at things in telecom services. 
you know, that's where we're looking more, where you've got, you know, 10 PEs, stocks that people hate, but you go, you know, there's some reasons to believe they could improve next year with consolidation, more focus on profitability, et cetera. Um, you know, some of the gaming sectors also we're taking a look at where you've got solid um, earnings in the video game space, so where some of those names have gotten hit really hard. Um, so that's kind of where we're hunting for beaten up names, not in the no earnings names. Yeah. Dan, that said, I mean, um, Facebook and Google aren't exactly uh, big yield or dividend plays. What would it take to push you uh, in search of names that are more in the deep value uh, basket? Oh, I'm, I probably wasn't clear enough. That's exactly what we're doing. I mean, we were in some of this telecom services stuff earlier um, or what I should say is uh, recently. Um, and so we are looking at some of those. Um, the one thing you do have to remember, though, is we believe that 10-year treasuries are going to go from about 1.45% to well over 2% in the first quarter of next year as this inflation just hangs around because it's more persistent. And so in that environment, you know, the dividend stuff, I'm not as sure about if that's going to hold in as well, especially if the 10-year really starts to go up quite rapidly. Um, but, you know, again, those dividend payers are generally more value-oriented stocks. And so that's kind of where we're doing a lot of prospecting. And a lot of those names are down, you know, for the year with the overall market up 25, 26 percent. So um, I think it, as to your point, I think that's where investors should be looking, not, you know, high valuation beaten up software names, for example. Well, finally, Dan, uh, to what degree is M&A um, playing into your strategy heading into 22? I mean, we see Oracle making a move for this Cerner deal. We've seen uh, other things trying to take shape. It looks like there's consolidation that wants to happen in certain areas, certainly within tech. So is that part of how you look at uh, opportunities there? I mean, it, it could have a positive impact on certain of those growth names that, that you still want to stay away from. I think you're exactly right, John. I mean, in a normal environment, we would think next year you should see a lot of consolidation because you got a massive growth surge with a lot of pandemic beneficiaries doing well. Now, as that give back has happened, those, a lot of those stocks are just getting absolutely crushed on the way down. So you would normally think there's going to be a lot more M&A next year as these names start to combine. The problem right now is, as you know, um, the current administration we have thinks big is bad. And so anybody that wants to merge, they're pretty much against. Um, and they're trying to even break up mergers that happened in the past. So, yes, I do think you're going to see a lot of deals. The question is going to be how many of those actually make it to the finish line between, you know, the U.S. administration plus the, the conflicts we have with China, which has to approve most of the deals, you know, on the big cap side. Um, that would likely happen. So it's not a big part of our thesis, quite honestly, for those reasons, though we think there are a lot of deals that will be announced. Dan, we always like to talk to you about Apple. It's a topic we've discussed many times over the years. Curious what you think of Apple at these valuations. It is up uh, 33% year to date. You know, that stock continues to do well. People always find a reason to like it. You can buy it at a 30 multiple I for the metaverse. I'd prefer to own meta at 21 times for the metaverse, and the expectations are a lot lower. This is my big concern with PCs and smartphones in general. If you think about what happened during the pandemic, people went out, bought PCs, smartphones, video games, streaming services, 
e-commerce stuff. You've seen Amazon miss two quarters in a row. You've seen Netflix get back on streaming. You've seen Disney, which was supposed to be the other big winner, get back on streaming. You've seen Peloton get hit. DocuSign, which was supposed to get through this fine, looked fine right up until they reported and the stock was down 40% the next day. You know, smartphone units were down, uh, you know, for, I think it was, PC units were down six out of seven years in a row before the pandemic and took off and was up over 30%. So at some point next year, I think you're going to see that go back to normal. Smartphones, it's a similar situation where, you know, Apple's revenues from 2015 to 2020 in smartphones was down 11%. It was down five out of six quarters before COVID. March quarter of this year, smartphone revenues were up 66%. So at some point, I think you're going to see PCs and smartphones this next year go through what every other big cap beneficiary from the pandemic went through and start normalizing. And that's why, for me, I'd rather play Facebook for the metaverse and some of the things that people are trying to construct the case around Apple for um, or Google. They've got much better growth, much lower multiples. Um, to me, you want to be way more defensive as opposed to counting on multiples continuing to expand for a name such as Apple. Okay. Facebook for the metaverse. I see you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Turning now to a couple of Chinese names. JD.com tanking after Tencent says it will give away most of its stake to shareholders through a one-time dividend. It's been a tough year if you're an investor in the space. The KQEB ETF, which tracks Chinese internet names, is down almost 50% in 2021. The giveaway comes as the Chinese government continues to crack down on large tech, large tech companies worrying about monopolies and growing market influence. Maybe Tencent trying to get ahead of an investigation here. Now, it does also hold positions in Meituan and Pinduoduo. And all of this comes as Intel apologizes for telling suppliers to not source products or labor from the Xinjiang region. Now, really interesting here, John, this was such an about face for Intel. What does this say to you about this company being really caught between Beijing and Washington, D.C.? I'm not sure I would call it an about face exactly. The, the apology was for the problems that they caused their suppliers by making the statement. They did say the statement was just reflecting uh, what other countries have said about the situation in China. Intel saying they understand that it's controversial within China, Carl. So as far as apologies go, this, this is that sort of apology where if a friend made it to you, you might raise your eyebrow and say, well, you're not really apologizing. It's kind of like, I'm sorry if your feelings got hurt as opposed to I'm sorry for what I did. But Intel still getting criticism from both sides, both within China, uh, losing perhaps some sponsorship there and from outside China uh, for seeming to apologize at all. Yep. Uh, definitely, we're beginning to see this pattern, uh, guys, where companies uh, speak out, maybe not intentionally in some ways, uh, but then eventually have to tiptoe around it. By the way, the law itself uh, was just signed into, uh, into legislation, uh, the president signing it, banning imports from the Xinjiang region over concerns about forced labor. Uh, Intel certainly has plenty of company uh, on that front. Still to come this morning, guys, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to join us. We're going to talk about streaming, going to talk about theaters. Going to talk about tequila, maybe not necessarily in that order. Tech Check's just getting started. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. Might be some turbulence ahead for Amazon's cloud business. A report out yesterday from Bloomberg says FTC chair Lena Khan is reigniting a year's old probe into AWS. Investigators have been in touch with various companies in recent months to obtain information on the competitive playing field for Amazon Web Services. The news not moving the stock much, still closed in the green yesterday, but Amazon's up just 5% on the year. The lowest performing FANG name for 2021. And I wonder if this is, in a backhanded way, kind of good news for Oracle and its bid to get Cerner through. Can they both be monopolies in enterprise tech and the cloud? Maybe not, Julia. We shall see, John. Now turning now to the travel tech sector, the search platform Trivago delivering some dire numbers on the state of holiday planning, down 10% amid COVID fears. The Omicron variant also increasing cancellation rates to 35% since November and overall traffic around Christmas travel growing just 4% since the variant was discovered compared to the 33% over the last same time last year. Joining us now is Trivago CEO Axel Heffer. Axel, thank you so much for joining us. Such a confusing time in terms of the headlines. The news seems different every day. How much are you seeing day-to-day changes? What are you seeing today? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's not really changing day-to-day, to be honest. But what, we've, what we see since the Omicron variant has come up, that there is more uncertainty and travelers are not as certain whether they can travel and whether they can return safely. And in particular, in Europe, a lot of countries have reimposed travel restrictions, quarantine restrictions, which uh, is hurting predominantly international travel. And so what in terms um, what are the trends you're seeing here in the U.S.? So it seems like a limit to international travel. Any other trends? Are people starting to book further out if they're not confident making plans for right now? Yeah, for, for the for the next summer it, it is a bit too early at least what we usually see on our platform so the focus is still on tra- on christmas and we do see a softer christmas um business compared to normal behavior um but it is still relatively speaking stable and i, I guess one of the differences between the us and europe is that the the share of domestic travel is significantly greater um in particular obviously for the christmas season Axel, how long is the window right now of visibility? In other words, are consumers making uh, a bit of a gamble, uh, booking, say, three to six months out, that by then uh, some of this wave is through, international uh, restrictions lighten up, and they can, say, do something that's non-domestic? We don't really see that on our platform, but but we we tend to be in shorter booking booking windows, so more three months uh, ahead. 
I do think, though, that we will have um, significant um, disturbance of the international travel market, at least for the next couple of months, um, and that we will only see a more normal um, pattern um, in early spring or early summer. Axel, when we talked earlier in the pandemic, you talked about the pattern of uh, more domestic travel, domestic vacation, maybe discovering uh, some spots that people weren't used to frequenting before. Is it Has there been enough time that you can see whether people are reverting back to those earlier pandemic patterns or not? Uh, what do you see in the data so far? It's really like a roller coaster, to be honest. Uh, I mean, the in, in summer, we've seen a much, much more normal behavior with some skew towards uh, uh, more beach and, and mountain destinations. Um, but international um, actually picked up quite a bit. And now with more uncertainty coming back, um, there is again a, a move to domestic. Um, and I, I think that will revert again when we when we enter summer um, early next year. So Axel, with all the data you have right now and the trends you saw last year, how do you predict next year looking? And do you think that we're gonna see people booking longer trips or they maybe sort of have a, a longer stay somewhere if they think they're gonna be working remotely perhaps in the next couple of months? Yeah, I do think that uh, that next year will actually be um, a lot more normal compared to this year. And um, the reason being that both consumers, travelers, but also governments uh, will hopefully by next year get used to the new pattern, which seems to be the new normal that uh, international travel will be um, will be possible very easily during summer months with hardly any travel restrictions in the northern hemisphere and that um, new variants uh, put some risk on, on more complicated trips um, and more exotic trips uh, over the winter months. Um, and with some change in, in behavior and some, some change in destinations um, by the time of the year, I do think that we'll see an almost normal market starting really May, June. Well, I hope we do have an almost normal market for many reasons, Axel. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, happy holidays to you. Thank you. Shares of Nikola today surging. The company announcing it has delivered its first electric truck, promising there's more to come. Uh, first customer, by the way, logistics provider Total Transportation Services, 20% gain on that. Plus, another electric name, Dwayne Johnson, is live after the break. We're back in two. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Fort and Julia Borston. In a moment, we're going to talk to Dwayne Johnson 
about his consumer brands, media, obviously the box office. Uh, great interview with DJ. We always uh, can't wait for that. In the meantime, let's get a news update with Rahel Solomon. Hey, Rahel. Hi, Carl. Good morning. And here's what's happening at this hour. A key index of consumer prices is up 5.7% over the last year. That is the fastest pace in 39 years. During November, consumer spending was up 0.6%, keeping pace with inflation. Meanwhile, weekly jobless claims are unchanged near record low levels, suggesting that the spread of Omicron has not triggered a wave of layoffs. New home sales shot up in November, but only because October sales were revised sharply lower. The annual sales rate was slightly below estimates. Median sale prices for new homes continue to surge, up 19% to nearly $417,000. Shares of Crocs stumbling pretty badly this morning. The stock is down 15%. The company says that it is paying $2.5 billion for privately owned footwear maker Hey Dude. Crocs shares are now down more than 30% over the last six weeks. And the Consumer Electronics Show says that the vast majority of companies still plan on coming to the event next month. Officials say that only 7% of vendors have pulled out, but that 7% also includes show highlights like Meta, Amazon, and AT&T. You're now up to date. John, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Rahel. Yeah, looks like there are a few holes in Crocs stock, at least for now. Meanwhile, MKM playing its own version of What If, offering up a list of high-impact, low-probability predictions for 2022 this morning, including Twitter and Pinterest leaving public markets if the stocks remain under pressure, DoorDash acquiring Instacart as the delivery giant moves further into grocery and 15-minute convenience, and even Snapchat and TikTok beefing up their content offering by buying up movie or gaming studios, Julia, but one of my favorites, just for fun, on this admittedly out there list is Google, I guess I should say Alphabet, taking YouTube public. What are the chances? Well, I think that the question is, if they were gonna take YouTube public, why wouldn't they have done it already? Obviously, there's so much value there. It's something that analysts talk about a lot, unlocking that value. My question is, you know, they're talking about Twitter and Pinterest. I've talked to a lot of people about how Pinterest in particular would be an acquisition target, but who would be the potential buyers for Pinterest or Twitter at this point? It seems like Pinterest might be a little bit easier to buy than a Twitter. What do you think, Carl? Um, yeah, I, I think, well, look at the chart. That's a, a remarkable chart on both fronts, John. It's funny, you know, we get a lot of black swan lists at the end of every year, and normally we kind of you know, politely nod and, uh, and laugh about it, but I, I would I would argue the last couple of years show that black swan lists, maybe the swans are, are more gray than black. Yeah, or, or maybe, hey, black swans show up to the party more often than you might want to admit, Julia, especially in these times that we're in. <laughs> yeah, always fun to look at these predictions. I do think that one of the predictions was that the tech giants were not going to have to pay any fines. I think we will see some fines being levied, whether it's by the EU or some of the U.S. regulators. And meanwhile, if you just tuned in and somehow missed it, Dwayne Johnson is coming up. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. He is the star of the Netflix smash Red Notice, founder of multiple successful consumer brands, and of course, one of the most electrifying names in entertainment. Here with us exclusively this morning, uh, Dwayne Johnson, actor, producer, founder of Terramana Tequila and Zoa Energy. DJ, we can't think of a better way uh, to wind up our week uh, than chat with you. How have you been, man? Carl, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And, you know, after that really electrifying intro, I don't know where else we go from here. So good <laughs> luck to both of us. <laughs> 
we're, we're, we're going to get through it. I, I, you know, actually, I was going to start with your film and TV work, but I don't see how we cannot talk about uh, your tequila brand first, because 600,000 cases sold is pretty much unprecedented in the spirits business. I just wonder, we, we talked about it earlier in the year. As, as the year wraps up, what kind of reflections do you have about that brand and what it says about your interest in consumer goods? No, Carl, thank you for bringing that up. It's a good way to start the interview. Our success and our, our growth with Terramana, as you had said, is has is truly unprecedented. We have uh, the numbers were reported this past week that we have sold over 600,000 nine liter cases. Um, and I think the growth speaks to the connection with the consumer, the storytelling behind the product, uh, the trust and equity I think that they have. Uh, that I've been able and very privileged, lucky enough to build over the years through the other businesses uh, that I have. But this one in particular is special. Um, as you know, we have talked about Terramana Tequila in the past. The goal was to create a true tequila of the people. And uh, and we have certainly done that. I have been really, really grateful, um, especially as we close out 2021. As we know, it's brought a lot of good and not so good and everything in between. It's a very challenging year, but also uh, I like ending the year on an uptick. And, you know, for our audience, I always like to contextualize that math of, of what 600,000 nine liter cases means. When George Clooney had sold his Casamigos to Diageo, as we know, it was a big splashy acquisition uh, for about a billion dollars. They were running at about 160 to 170,000 nine liter cases. And in less than two years, we are closing out this year at 600,000. So, so the, I'm not very good with math, but the extrapolation of that math and valuation is, is pretty <laughs> impressive. It's really, it truly is. Carl. Oh, you know, and I, I will say this, Carl, I, I, I'd be remiss to say, uh, you know, now that we're live, I, I do want to say that um, I got some great news uh, and exciting news. So as of midnight yesterday, we have Terramana Tequila has officially closed a groundbreaking uh, legacy deal with our global distribution partners in Mass Jägermeister. Um, so we are very excited about that. Um, and it's very motivating. And now uh, it's going to be a very Merry Christmas for our Terramana investors, as well as the Mass Jägermeister investors. But also now what we could do is really lean into the brand of Terramana, uh, the legacy brand of Terramana, and build it out to a, uh, an international tequila brand. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, Thank that's you, that's big news. Uh, Zoa Energy uh, continues to be a big story as well. One of the fastest growing names in energy. Um, you know, it's funny. We cover a lot of technology on this hour, uh, DJ, and we, and we always end up talking about celebrities that are trying to find the next big innovation in tech or something in crypto or something in Web3. Uh, you clearly have centered in on the consumer. And I wonder, is that because you've looked at other deals in past in technology, or do you just see just huge tailwinds in this particular business? I see tailwinds. I think I see velocity. Uh, but also, Carl, this goes way back, I think, before um, before uh, the Hollywood industry. I, I came from a world of a very wild uh, world of professional wrestling. But, you know, at its core in pro wrestling, um, the key element, the key discipline there for me um, and my business partner, Danny Garcia, who was with me back then at that time when we were together, um, it, it, it all goes down and distills down to always serving, serving, serving. 
the customer and really taking care of the people and always sending them home happy. So it's a great question you ask because when you look back now um, at uh, when you when you look back at the history and the consumer products that we have continued to build in these companies that we continue to build out, uh, the thread is always taking care of the people and going to the consumer. Uh, fascinating. Uh, and we're going to keep your, our eye on you uh, on that front. As for Red Notice, um, it's the yeah. n- number one most watched movie in the world. Uh, record-breaking views on Netflix, top 10 in 94 countries. Um, we've talked a lot this year, DJ, about distribution models, streaming versus theatrical, the relationship between studios and exhibitors. Do you think, as we move into 22, um, that Hollywood is beginning to refine its formula of how the consumer is going to view content? It's a great question, Carl, and I do. Uh, without any uncertain terms, I, I do believe that Hollywood continues to, re, to refine. And, but at the end of the day, we in Hollywood have no choice because ultimately, uh, as I always like to say, uh, our number one boss is always the consumer and the audience and the people. And they are going to let us know how they want to consume the content, how, when, um, and to what degree. So I I do feel that we are in just a a really phenomenal inflection point of opportunity in Hollywood to be prudent and listen and learn. Uh, I believe deeply in the theatrical experience. It's how we grew up, you and I, you know, enjoying these movies. And there's still very big business. And for example, Spider-Man is proving that. I think we're going to have a very healthy and robust Christmas weekend with all the new movies coming out and the offerings between Spider-Man and Sing 2 and Matrix, et cetera. Um, and of course, you can watch Red Notice <laughs> on Netflix. But I do believe uh, <laughs> I believe in the theatrical experience. I don't believe it's going to go away. But I also believe strongly in the streaming experience. And, what, and obviously, and we're finding this across the board in all the businesses around the world, is what COVID has done is really accelerated uh, any process. Um, and it certainly has done that in Hollywood. Man, it's an exciting time uh, to be, I think, for us in Hollywood because consumers still want to consume the content. So now what we get to, we get to have that privilege of creating it and streaming. Now, Red Notice was our very first movie uh, made directly for streamer and Netflix for Seven Bucks Productions. Uh, we, we got lucky, we worked hard. And we've raised the bar and we've changed the paradigm and we've had some great record-breaking success. But I will also say it's been a year of, uh, of learnings um, and some success too as well uh, in the world of streaming for us as a company with Seven Bucks, our great Disney partners. We launched Jungle Cruise um, at the same time, theatrically as well as uh, on streaming. We found success in both. So the models, there's multiple models here, I think, that work. And we proved that with Jungle Cruise, with Disney. We've already made the announcement that we're going to come back for a sequel. We've certainly proven that with Netflix. So now I believe we listen, learn, and strategize and move forward and kick ass, as you and I like to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Julia here. Now, it's so interesting covering the media industry and hearing so much about how there are so few stars like you, who can launch a massive franchise or extend the life of a franchise. I mean, I believe you have 283 million followers on Instagram. And I'm curious if you think, as you look back at your ability to really extend the life of these franchises, whether it's Fast or Jumanji, um, do you think that we're going to be entering a new phase where there are real franchises um, in the streaming world, which is something that we haven't really seen yet? 
It's a great question, Julia. It's a smart question. And I do believe that. And again, I think um, it, we are in a position where as we're listening, as we're learning, um, and as we are running our own analysis and evaluations and all that fun stuff, um, at the end of the day, uh, it all comes down to the creation. And we are trying to do exactly what you just said with Red Notice. We're trying to build out a universe and build out a franchise. But I believe you are going to find that. And from what I can, uh, from what I gather and take away from our partnerships with these streamers, my next, our next Seven Bucks movie will be with Amazon. It's called Red One. So, Julie, our goal with Red One is to build out a franchise, too, as well, that was born and bred out of Amazon. Um, and the same thing applies for a lot of the other businesses we're doing with streaming. So I do believe you're going to find um, franchises that are created and born and bred out of streamers, uh, but also the traditional way, too, as well, that are born out of the theatrical experience. Uh, Dwayne, John Fort, great to talk to you. I want to take a left turn here and ask about desecration, defamation, uh, music, uh, face off the Tech Nine song released this fall. You have a verse at the end. My understanding is originally the plan wasn't for you to have a verse, but you took the risk. You did it. It's kind of gone viral and you had the very smart kind of hip hop legacy uh, name drop of Terramana at the end. We can hear you drinking it, right? Tell me what's the impact, the marketing impact, the messaging impact for a brand of music right now versus all the other things that you're doing. Did you see any kind of pickup and lift off of that song, especially as it went viral? Uh, no, no doubt. We were, we, we had some sales to our backs uh, going into Q4 with Terramana and you know, the song Face Off, which by the way, I'm very impressed. It's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour. Uh, so that was a good one, John. Uh, but we did have some um, wind on our backs, but we saw a great uptick from that. But also I think, you know, that's always, I think the fascinating convergence when uh, you converge music and either music and tech, music and product, uh, music and film, television, whatever it is, and you get the right song paired with the right product and boom, you can be on a rocket ship. And that one in particular, and I think the, the it, so you're right, those guys are captains of the industry in terms of their rapping abilities. And I was very lucky enough that, you know, I, first of all, Tech Nine asked me to, uh, you know, back clean up there on that one. And I was very fortunate to come in. But I got to tell you, we did see great upticks in the business. And also, you know, again, every once in a while when the convergence happens and it, and it has this um, electrifying sense to it, as that song Face Off did, because I think the I'm not quite too sure, John, how high the bar was set with me coming in being a hip hop a rapper. <laughs> it's pretty so. high. It was pretty high. I mean, I, I will tell you, give you credit. You made me look cool for my 13 year old because I showed it to him first and then it became a meme. So he was like, oh, my dad showed me this song. But it was your energy on the song, I think, even though everybody else was rapping fast, your energy made it a meme. Well, I appreciate it. You know, with something like that, it's 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 really the opportunity to go in and, you know, as they say in that culture, you've got to attack the verse and you got to attack. So, I mean, th that uh, this idea of attacking things uh, has been in my DNA for uh, for a little while <laughs> now. So I was able to attack it. And we have a lot of we had a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, but you, when you do bring up Terramana, that's the tricky thing. Also, too, you really want to make sure that you're finding a balance between 
uh, smartly and wisely integrating your brand into a song or into um, whatever the storytelling is. So it doesn't ever feel sweaty and it feels authentic. So the reason why that felt authentic because it was, I, I attacked the verse, I did it in one take, I had a bottle of Terramana with me and I took a big swig before and a big swig after. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, DJ, finally, um, you know, uh, this is an investing audience. Uh, some might be wondering, you know, will there be a time where you're going to take your brand equity and sort of tap public markets? I don't know if you want to comment, comment on that today or just give us a sense of what you have in store for 22. Sure. Well, th there's two parts to that, and I'm always happy to comment on that. Um, you know, that we have been discussing that and there's been conversations uh, swirling around that. And these are great conversations to have, you know, things where many, many moons ago, I started my career with seven bucks in my pocket, literally. Uh, and it wasn't seven. It was a five dollar bill, a one and some change. So I always like to say at least I rounded up and I was optimistic with my numbers. So I had seven bucks in my pocket to now we're talking about, uh, you know, possibly a public event with one of these companies. We're talking about it. We'll consider it and then we'll see. Uh, but as far as for 2022, uh, I'm excited about 2022. I think we have some some great partnerships, some great alignments. Um, we have uh, in in the in the world of movies, we have Black Adam coming out. Uh, we have Super Pets coming out. We have one venture, a new venture. I'm entering into a new industry. I won't say what it is, but when we do, I'll come back and I'll talk to you guys about it. Could be quite possibly my biggest one yet. I'm excited about that. We've been working for Whoa. years on that. And one thing too, and I know that you know, there's a lot of sports fans here watching, and with you guys too as well. We are a little over one year away for launching um, our XFL, and that is our professional football brand uh, with our chairwoman, Danny Garcia, and our other partner, Jerry Cardinal from um, Redbird Capital. And we should maybe within the next month or maybe two months, we're going to be announcing our broadcast partners, which we're very excited about, and, and uh, new, new teams, new cities, and very excited about that. And again, as a former player uh, myself, what an opportunity it is to create for uh, create an opportunity for other players yeah. uh, to live out their dream and take care of their families. So excited about that. So bring on 2022. Let's do it, DJ. And we always are so grateful for your time. You got everybody's attention as always. Have a great holiday. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And moving on, Deutsche adding a few names to its fresh money list for 2022. Global Payments, Palo Alto, Qualcomm, and T-Mobile make the cut. Tech Check is back after this. Let's get a gut check on Peloton. It's no secret that the stock is having a tough year, down 75%, but it is in the green today, up about 1.5%. City did slash its price target to $38 per share, maintaining a neutral rating. The firm updating its model following Peloton's billion-dollar equity raise in November. Plus, City noting that the street has turned more cautious with the lowest number of buy ratings on the stock since it went public, though there are still only two sell ratings of the 31 analysts covering Peloton. We'll be back right after this. Are you going to be on the go this holiday season away from your TV, missing tech check? Well, don't forget, we've also got a podcast. Listen anytime, anywhere, wherever you download podcasts. And tech check will be back in a moment. Today is day three of our Metaverse series here on Tech Check. We wanted to take a look at all the different ways you can invest in the building blocks, the infrastructure 
of the metaverse, including the chips that will power virtual experiences. Now, Bernstein points to the potential for NVIDIA, the world's largest graphics and AI chip maker, and Qualcomm with its Snapdragon XR platform that can connect virtual and physical spaces. Bernstein doesn't have an outperform rating on both those stocks. Now, also for VR to work, the network needs to be fast. So 5G is key. T-Mobile, Verizon, and AT&T's investments in Spectrum, and those investments are expected to pay off. Now, Goldman Sachs also highlights the original metaverse players, Meta Platforms, formerly known as Facebook, Snap, and Roblox, saying that those are the key stocks that it is rated by that are exposed to the metaverse theme. And metaverse expert Kathy Hackle tells us to look for those giants and other tech giants to make acquisitions of cutting-edge VR startups next year. Goldman also forecasts that Meta Platforms will invest about 5% of its market cap over the next three years. That's worth about $39 billion in this new metaverse technology. Now, if you want broad exposure to the theme, there are ETFs like this one called Meta, not to be confused with a company previously previously known as Facebook. It includes a basket of 44 stocks with exposure, including those that I have already mentioned here. Now, guys, companies seem really eager to show their exposure to the metaverse. There were a record 449 mentions of the metaverse in third quarter calls. That was up from 100 in the prior quarter, John. Yeah, and um, Carl, to some extent, this is a free wave of marketing that Mark Zuckerberg in particular helped create, so why not ride it? But investors, with Julia's help, with our help, are going to help, uh, are going to be able to decide what is investable and what is not. Yeah, we're going to watch the applications, the platforms, and the backbone, I'm sure, all through 22. Guys and everybody, have a great long weekend. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.